I'm Satya Nomes and this is Our Mother's Gardens. On this show we discuss the seeds our mother sowed in us, the ways we have grown, and how we learn to blossom. In this space, black women that have learned to define success on their own terms share stories of their beginnings, healing, and thriving. Welcome and thank you for being a part of this community of mamas, grandmamas, aunties, sisters, cousins, daughters, and friends. Joining us in the garden today is Adrian Brown David. Adrian is an artist, wife, and mother of four daughters. Originally from St. Louis, Adrian found her way to a tiny town in Mississippi after living for several years in the Virgin Islands. She spends her days working full-time from her home studio, homeschooling her two youngest children, and hanging out in the woods. All right, so the the way that I like to to open up is just by asking what is a mother when I ask you you know that question what comes to mind um I think for me a mother is just someone who cares for you in all the ways you need to be cared for be that like food, clothes, and shelter, mm-hmm. or you know, acceptance and guidance, and like any of those things that you need to feel cared for. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's what the definition of a mother is, and that can come from anyone, anywhere, of any gender, any age. Um, and so that's what I feel like mothering is to me. Mm. And how? You know, how has your perception of what a mother is and this definition that you now have of what a mother is, how has that evolved over time? How did you come into this um, this definition of motherhood? I think when I was younger, probably before I had children, like, I think I st- my idea of motherhood was still, like, this is the woman that feeds me and clothes me and shelters me and that's mm-hmm. what they do and that's <laughs> that's mm-hmm. their job but I think once I had my own children I had my first when I was 22 so I was pretty young mm-hmm. um, I realized that there was so much more involved in mothering another human being mm-hmm. like yes I need to provide food clothes and shelter but I also need to see you as who you are and nurture that and try and grow and build a person, mm-hmm. you know, into the person that they are going to become based on this person that I see. Like, I can see who you are as a person and I need to nurture that as mm-hmm. opposed to trying to tear that down or shift you into some other thing. It's like, I need to nurture this person that you are and that you came into the world being. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know just on your own yeah so yeah. that's definitely been a shift like oh I have to do more than feed these people yeah. <laughs> <laughs> raise them to be whole human beings yeah that is a lot that's a lot yes <laughs> <laughs> you're right that is a lot um so who who is your mother who do you consider to be your mother or mothers and how did they affect you know your ideas around motherhood so i think if you'd asked me that question like 
10 or 15 years ago, I would have just been like, oh, my mom. Like, mm-hmm. I grew up with a single mom. She is like, we still have an amazing relationship right now. She's staying with us right now since we're all quarantined. Mm-hmm. She's living alone. Otherwise, <laughs> she's like, I'm losing my mind. I need human beings. So she's staying with us right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but while she's here and us having all of this time to think about who we are and think about what things we want to do and what we're interested in and what we're connected to. I've mm-hmm. really been feeling connected to like my mom and my grandmother and my great grandmother, just this lineage of women mm-hmm. and seeing how all of those things have come together in the person that I am right now. Mm. Um, and so I would probably consider that whole like great grandmother lineage to be my mother's right now and shaping who I am today Mm -hmm. Um, and like when I go out into my garden and you know when I paint and when I do all of these things I'm like oh these are all the trickle down effects of all of these women Mm -hmm. who are a part of my DNA and who are a part of the person that I am right now Mm -hmm. so can you tell me a little bit more about your mother who raised you. So I grew up in St. Louis, in St. Louis City, for mm-hmm. like my entire life. Um, and I grew up with a single mom. I have one other brother who is eight years older than I am. And so it was just the two of us and my mom forever, mm-hmm. um, pretty much. And she is, she is, I guess, what people would consider your typical mom of the 80s <laughs> of 80s children like, we ran around outside and played and like but we had very strict like boundaries because we grew up in what would be considered like quote unquote the hood mm-hmm. so like we had very strict boundaries of where we could go and what we could do um she worked full-time I was in school full-time like my childhood is very different than my children's childhood because of that Mm -hmm. Um, but she was all like everything was always taken care of I never really thought about like struggles or anything like that I'm sure like looking back on it now I'll be like oh we were poor oh we were struggling oh we were this but as a kid like I never felt that Mm -hmm. Um, and I also was really fortunate to have grown up next door to my grandparents so Mm. we lived in one house there was a big lot between and then my grandparents' house was the next house. Mm-hmm. And so there was just a constant, like, support mm-hmm. system for me because mm-hmm. even if my mom was at work or if my mom had to travel, like, I never had to go anywhere else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to, you mm-hmm. know, to be taken care of, my grandmother was right there for my entire childhood and teenage years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like... I feel like my childhood was very normal, quote mm-hmm. unquote normal, like, <laughs> but I don't really know anything different. Like, I don't know anything different. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I felt like she was, my mother was the core of my being mm-hmm. as a kid. Mm-hmm. Like, she was my, you know, provider, my nurturer, unless, you know, I hurt myself too bad and there was too much blood. Then I had to go to my grandmother. <laughs> 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 
there were definitely things that I got sent to my grandmother's house for that she was just like, nope, I, that is too much blood. Let your granny handle it. <laughs> but, you know, she would take a week off of work, like around my birthday, which is around Christmas. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we would just do whatever I wanted for that week. Like, I have never known my mother to be at work on my birthday, and I'm 41 years old Aww. now. And so, like, all those little things mm-hmm. uh, that she did, like, even though she was at work most of the time, she had, like, all of these other smaller things that she would do that were actually really big things mm-hmm. um, that just built this connection mm-hmm. with us coming up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it sounds like, you know, your your mother was really attentive and nurturing um, and in thinking about who you are and who you were, you know, being uniquely yourself, how was the way, how were the ways in which your mother um, raised you and parented you, how were they aligned specifically with who you were? So I have always been like the artsy kid. I always like to draw. I always like to make things and do things with my hands and draw pictures and paint on stuff. And she caught that really early. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say she always says I was probably four. I drew a picture of a helicopter <laughs> that she immediately knew was a helicopter. And she was like, oh, that's not normal. <laughs> <laughs> not a regular occurrence in a four-year-old drawing a helicopter that I could see clearly as a helicopter. Mm-hmm. And so she caught that little spark in me um, and nurtured it forever. And so between her and my grandmother, like, I was consistently supplied with art supplies. I was in art classes. Like, she, my mother put up uh, those like window shades that roll the white ones that you can roll and unroll for me to draw on mm-hmm. in my room mm-hmm. when I was a kid um, she always like she always just made sure that I had the things that I wanted and needed to develop um, that part of me that was most obvious like mm-hmm. oh this kid likes art Mm-hmm. <laughs> so let me make sure that she has all the classes, all the access to things that I can find when I turn 14. I find that have even been 14. She started volunteering at um, a black art gallery mm-hmm. in St. Louis so that I could meet other black artists and be surrounded by black art all mm-hmm. the time. And so mm-hmm. I took all of these art classes through this gallery from all of these amazing black artists. I got to meet Jacob Lawrence. I got to meet... Um, Gordon Parks, like wow. all of these things that I would not have been able to do otherwise, and mm-hmm. it was because she saw that thing in me, mm-hmm. um, and felt like she needed to nurture that. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I'm really grateful for that. Wow, yeah, <sighs> that's. I mean, that's amazing to have. You know, to have, like you said earlier in the conversation. You know, for a child, yeah, you know, you have to feed them and clothe them and you know try to put a roof over their head but you also need to see them for who they are Um, and it's you know beautiful that your mother saw you and saw that 
in you and and nurtured that and supported and it. that can be hot like it can be challenging yeah to nurture because what your kids are isn't always easy <laughs> it's just, mm-hmm. it isn't always an easy thing mm-hmm. um and that doesn't mean it's bad it just is more challenging mm-hmm. in some cases and so like i'm sure i was challenging mm-hmm. like at some point like drawing on everything like <laughs> drawing on all of my clothes and carving up bars of soap from the bathroom <laughs> to little ants like I'm a hundred percent sure I was doing <laughs> so like being able to nurture that mm-hmm. while also being challenged and often frustrated mm-hmm. with this little person mm-hmm. who's just being themselves like you know, yeah, it's not always easy. Yeah, and I mean, you mentioned, you know, parents in the 80s, black parents in the 80s and in particular, you know, myself included, but many people that I knew, their parents said, you know, doctor, lawyer, teacher, if you right. know, if you want to you want to be an artist I mean I wanted to be a writer and it was like oh you can do that in your spare time you can totally do that on the side. <laughs> exactly <laughs> you know when you get off work you can do that when you get off work exactly exactly so <laughs> you know I think that's really special you know being a black mom in, in the 80s who said no my kid is into art we're we're gonna do this let's do this yeah this is what we're gonna do like we're gonna find all of the artists all of the art classes all of the you know whatever whatever it is that's happening particularly if it's people that look like you Mm -hmm. we're going to go check that out and so you know i try to do that same thing with my kids Mm -hmm. um because that's that's what i know like, oh, this is what you're interested in? Well, let's find all of the things mm-hmm. <laughs> involved in what you're interested in, particularly if the people doing it look like you. Like, let's, mm-hmm. let's go check that out. Yeah, yeah. So was there anything about the way that your mom raised you that was challenging for you? Um, I think that because, um, and I think it was just because of, the way parents were in mm-hmm. the 80s there wasn't a lot of like there wasn't a lot of like I don't like this thing you know what I mean mm-hmm. as a child you can't be like oh I don't like this mm. way we're doing things or I don't like this food or I don't like this clothes or I don't like like there wasn't a lot of discussions like that and mm-hmm. I don't think anybody really had discussions like that and so I feel like adults in particular like of my age group and above have to learn how to create boundaries for things that they don't like as adults Mm -hmm. as opposed to learning how to do that as a kid Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel like that looks really different in my that's one thing in my parenting that I think is really different between how I parent and how I was parented Mm -hmm. um, is that my kids and I have discussions about things that they don't like or mm. things that they don't want to do or things that they, you know, feel frustrated by. And mm-hmm. it may not change the outcome. Like, sure, you don't want to do the dishes and you can express that you don't want to do the dishes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we can talk about why you don't want to do the dishes. You're still going to have to do the dishes. Yeah. But <laughs> like, we can talk about why you're upset about that. And mm. so I'm 
hoping, I feel like my kids are an experimental generation of kids who are being allowed to do this, but I'm hoping that they get a chance to practice setting those boundaries for themselves as children Mm -hmm. as opposed to trying to figure it out as adults. And Mm -hmm. so I feel like that's a challenge that lots of us um, for many generations face is not being able to create boundaries for ourselves as kids because it was seen as disrespectful Mm -hmm. or seen as being mousy or, you know, as opposed to just being like, actually, I just don't feel good about this thing that I'm having to do and I would like to express that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think a lot of us, you know, a lot of us have to deal with that now as adults. We're Mm -hmm. just like, oh, how do I tell this person that I love that I don't like what they're doing? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know how to do that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that translates itself into, like, our adult relationships. Like, how do I tell my spouse Mm -hmm. that I don't like when they do X, Y, Z, because I don't know how to tell somebody that I don't like what they Mm -hmm. do to think. And so I feel like that was probably one of my biggest challenges is just being able to express when I don't like things and creating boundaries for myself of, oh, I don't want to do this and I don't have to do this because I don't have to. Mm -hmm. And when do you think you realize that that you needed boundaries and that it was okay to say that you didn't like something or that you didn't feel good about something? When did you start to feel like, you know what, I I can and I need to express myself? I, you know, I was probably, yeah, I probably, I still, still deal with that. I think just, you know, even now, I'm just like, how do I tell this person that I don't, like what they're doing or I don't agree with what they're doing or I don't agree with what they're saying or like I still deal with it a little bit Mm -hmm. um, but I was probably in my 20s and had two children Mm -hmm. (laughs) just like oh actually this person that I have these two children with like I don't like anything that they (laughs) 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 I have not been able to find the words or the strength or the whatever I needed mm-hmm. to say this is not okay with me like mm-hmm. this doesn't make me feel good this is not who I want to be mm-hmm. um, and that took a lot of a lot of tears and a lot of courage and a lot of struggle to finally get to that point. And I think a lot of us get to that point, particularly in relationships, when we're just like, oh, yeah, I can't, I can't Mm -hmm. do this. (laughs) I can't do this anymore. And Mm -hmm. I probably could have ended this a long time ago if I had the vocabulary Mm -hmm. or the practice or the whatever to just put that boundary up and be like, yeah, no, we're done here. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I would probably say I was in my mid-20s before... I came to the full realization that, like, I don't know how to end things. I don't know how to feel okay with the confrontation or the conflict um, because I've not ever had any practice with conflict Mm. before. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And where... 
where did you find the courage? Where did you learn, you know, the vocabulary? Or where are you finding the courage and learning the vocabulary? Um, I have all daughters. <laughs> and so my oldest daughters were little. And I remember seeing myself in a situation where I was very upset. I was crying a lot. And I remember them comforting me. And I was like, no. Mm. <laughs> I was like, my daughters do not need to see this as their example of what relationships need to be mm-hmm. for them. Like, mm-hmm. they don't need to see me crying and my children comforting me because I can't figure out how to to end this situation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I remember that so clearly and being like, oh, this is the end. Like, mm-hmm, <laughs> like this is mm-hmm. it. I'm looking at my two little, beautiful, round face baby girls who are looking so concerned for their mother. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I can't do this to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was just like, yeah, now this is it. Like, I'm figuring it out. It may be messy. It may be ugly. I may do it wrong. But we're going to figure it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're going to see me figuring it out and creating, you know, a space for myself that is healthy and that is, you know, where mm-hmm. I need to be. Um, and so that is like, that was the definitive moment for me where I was just like, this is not cool. Mm. We're doing something different. Mm-hmm. And how, what has helped you in your journey to do something different? Um, I guess just conti- like continuing to watch them grow up and watching them have conversations with me. Um, and sometimes that looks strange from the outside, particularly to other generations of people that are just like, why are you having all these conversations mm-hmm. with these kids? They just can tell them what you tell them to do. But like the fact that they can talk to me and they can be like, I don't like this thing. They can express anger and they can express frustration in a space where they know that like, I'm not going to not love them anymore mm-hmm. because they create boundaries. Like that's really helped me and saying that I can create boundaries for myself with other people and they're not going to not love me Mm -hmm. because because I'm like, no, actually, I don't want to do that. Um, And so I feel like that's been a cycle of, like, dealing with my kids, doing it, and then doing it with other people and just being like, oh, we can create these boundaries. We can, you know, have these minor conflicts. We can do these things. Mm -hmm. Um, And the love is still going to be there. Mm-hmm. Even after maybe anger, frustration, annoyance, whatever, like, I'm still going to love you exactly the same. Exactly. And, you know, I will love you and you will have created a boundary. Mm-hmm. And this person will still love me even if I've created a boundary. And if they don't, then I've solved a huge problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I might not have even known existed. But, oh, we just solved a major problem. So that's cool. We can all move on mm-hmm. with life mm-hmm. beyond that. So what are some lessons that you hope 
your daughters come away from having been mothered by you? I hope that my girls know that they can do and be whatever they want, whatever brings them happiness, whatever brings them joy, and that they can do that unapologetically. Like, Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what it is. Like, you do whatever brings you joy, um, and you will find people are drawn to that like you don't need to try and be something different or act a different way or you know do anything outside of yourself in order to please somebody else or to attract somebody else like you can just be and do whatever feels joyful for you and you will attract that same those same people Mm -hmm. and it'll be a genuine connection and that could be friendships that could be like intimate partners it could be any of those things like you will attract those people it may take a little longer it may look a little different but like whatever it is that brings you joy when you do it fully without question without compromise like you're gonna attract that like Mm -hmm. energy in other people Mm -hmm. and so i hope that they can just be genuine in who they are and don't feel like they need to compromise themselves Mm -hmm. for people around them And so that's been my main focus. Like, dude, just be who you are, love who you are, do what makes you happy, say what you feel, Mm -hmm. (laughs) do Mm -hmm. all of those things. Like, if people are making you feel good, like, awesome. If people are making you feel good, like, put up a boundary. Like, Mm -hmm. nope, this doesn't feel good. We're not doing that anymore. Like, know that it's all going to be okay in the end, even if you have to, like, cut some people off or let Mm -hmm. some people in that you didn't expect to let in like Mm -hmm. it's all going to be all right in the end and so I'm hoping that they get that as they get older Mm -hmm. Um, it's tough when they're you know middle school age yes (laughs) (laughs) hopefully as they get older it's hard to like oh that makes sense yes yes my two oldest I have four kids my two oldest are both daughters and they uh they're both in middle school it's it's an interesting time (laughs) it is very interesting my oldest two are 17 and 18 but then Mm. I have a 13 year old and an 11 year old and so Mm. I've been through the middle school ages twice and I'm in it for a third time and it's like oh yeah I've forgotten Yeah, the oldest is just finishing out eighth grade, and I'm watching her, like, six through now, it was like, oh, this is different, but I can, like, see her coming out of it, you know, just in time to go back in with the one who's 12, so, you know. Yeah, it's crazy (laughs) when you see them, like, you get used to something, and you're like, oh, this is changing. lessons that your mom wanted you to take away from when you were growing up or what were the lessons you know the biggest lessons that you took away from the way your mother your mother mothered you um I think my mom was very like take care of business 
Like, mm-hmm. make sure that your house is taken care of, your family is taken care of, your bills are paid. Like, she's very take care of business. And so, like, that has actually been a part of my personality that is the most work for me mm-hmm. because I am naturally kind of flighty. <laughs> Maybe that's a good word. I tend to be like, let's go have a picnic. Let's go, you know, to the lake. Let's go for a drive and listen to our music really loud. Let's do this. Let's do that. And then I come home and I'm like, oh, you all still need to eat. <laughs> I need to feed you. Like, oh, the utility bill was due yesterday. I know. <laughs> that. So that part of my mom, I've had to work really hard. Like, I feel like that was a huge lesson from her that I still have to work really hard to this day to maintain. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really important. Like, I think people take for granted, like, you know, remembering to pay your bills <laughs> like those things are just taken for granted but not everybody has that personality mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and I am not a person who has that personality like mm-hmm. I will often forget to pay things mm-hmm. or like I will lose track of time and be like oh it is 8.30 and my 11 year old hasn't had dinner yet mm-hmm. like I should probably feed her and so like those take care of business things are things that I have to like consciously work on every day mm-hmm. and a lot of that is like my mom like oh let me do this spreadsheet for my budget to make sure that I'm paying all the things that I need to pay mm-hmm. when they need to get paid and let me you know make sure that I plan out this menu which is not something she did because she was not a fan of that but it's <laughs> like those are things that are like let me plan out this menu and this grocery list for two weeks and let me, you know, take care of these things that are like the business aspect of my life. Mm -hmm. Um, And I get a lot of that from my mom, just like how to manage taking care of everything Mm -hmm. um, and not, you know, having our electricity turned off because I forgot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Which has never happened. It has never happened to this day. <laughs> it's in there. That part of me is in there. Well, I, I will just forget. Um, so yeah, I think just you know, take care of business. Make sure your house mm-hmm. is taken care of. Make sure your family's taken care of. Like literally taken care of. Mm-hmm. Like love on them and nurture them and all of that. But also, you know, buy their groceries because mm-hmm. they need mm-hmm. that too. <laughs> so, how do you think? that your experience with mothering and motherhood have been informed or affected by being a black mother and being black? Um, So I have, I have this crazy dichotomy in my motherhood journey because when I had three of my four kids, I lived in the Caribbean. And so we were the majority, Mm -hmm. like all of my kids' teachers were black, all their friends were black, all mm-hmm. their, like, their dance classes were black teachers, mm-hmm. like, all, like everybody we knew was black, and so mm-hmm. it, there, it wasn't a thing, like, we really just didn't have a lot of us and them, or, like, there wasn't a lot of division, because mm-hmm. everybody looked like us, like, the mm-hmm. main difference 
was I was from the states, and everybody I knew was from an island. And so mm-hmm. <laughs> the main difference was accent was was our accents. And so like we just sort of lived every day without thinking about any of that because everybody mm. like everybody looked like us. And mm-hmm. that was a really great thing to have, which a lot of people don't get. Like, mm-hmm. a lot of people in the United States don't get that. Like, you don't mm-hmm. get to be a part of the majority mm-hmm. for any length of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, that was really great. But now we live in Mississippi, mm-hmm. <laughs> which mm-hmm. is very different. And so, we moved from the Caribbean to mm-hmm. the American South, which mm-hmm. is not a lateral move at all. <laughs> Mm-hmm. 
there are some exceptions to the rule. Like, mm-hmm. this is, you know, this is a thing that most black people don't do. Like, no, mm-hmm. we just happen to live here. And so I've had a lot of, like, you know, my kids are cool, but they're not, like, any cooler than any other kids. They're, just, they're cool because they're my kids. Mm-hmm. And, like, please don't tokenize them and mm-hmm. these things. Like, oh, look at my black friend and their kids who do ballet. I'm just like, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's not who we are. Yeah. Not who we are. Um, and on top of that, we've also had to have, like, lots of tough conversations with my my white friends mm-hmm. because I have lots of them like full disclosure we are often the only black people in all of our friend groups mm-hmm. um, and so and my mom like we homeschool our small kids also which is another whole other conversation <laughs> but <laughs> I often have to say in our homeschool group like listen you guys are going to have to have conversations with your kids mm-hmm. um about race and about inequality because I have to have those conversations with my kids and if my kids are going to hang out with your kids your kids need to be having these same conversations every day Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. if they're not having those same conversations every day then your kids are now a danger to my kids Mm -hmm. and as they get older your kids are going to become more and more dangerous not that you're not that I feel like your kid is going to do anything to harm my kids Mm -hmm. but your kids are going to live their life in a way that they would just live their life because they're white, but mm-hmm. my kid's going to be in very close proximity, mm-hmm. which makes your kid now dangerous to mm-hmm. mine. And so you guys need to be having these conversations with your kids on a regular basis mm-hmm. because it's important if you're going to keep hanging out with my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, like, we've had to be very clear about racial differences with our white friends Mm-hmm. trying to raise kids in the South mm-hmm. <laughs> in America. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. So all that to say, you know, raising kids as a black mom in the American South in a sea of other white moms is, uh, it's, it's some waters that I have not charted before. So, <laughs> you know, I'm figuring it out as I go. Yeah. Whew. Did your did your decision to homeschool your younger kids have anything to do with the education they would receive as black children? Yes. Well, we actually homeschooled mm-hmm. all four of them. Mm-hmm. Um, once the older two got to high school age, they were like, all right, I think we're done here. Like, their friends had all aged out of homeschooling. Their parents had already sent them all to school, and so... Um, my older ones started at high school age, you know, because they were like, we need some other people around us, which is, you know, a thing that happens Mm -hmm. typically around seventh or eighth grade Mm -hmm. when kids start to age out of homeschooling, when it stops being quite as cute and fun Mm -hmm. as people remember elementary school being. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we actually started homeschooling when we lived in the Caribbean Mm -hmm. because public schools there weren't so great. Mm-hmm. Um, and private schools were way too expensive, and so homeschooling was, like, our only other option. Mm-hmm. And so all of our kids have been homeschooled since, you know, kindergarten. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we moved, we were like, well, you know, we'll take it, you know, one year at a time. Let's see what the schools are like, blah, blah, blah. And so we moved to Mississippi, and I was like, oh, there's no way 
put my kids mm-hmm. <laughs> in school here. Like, I can't, I can't, um, I can't spend my entire evening, every evening when they come home from school, undoing all of the things mm-hmm. that some teacher in this classroom taught them all day. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that is crazy. And so instead of, you know, having to counterbalance this, quote-unquote education that they would get in, you know, this tiny rural school in the town where we live. I was just like, we're just going to, we're going to keep, we should keep schooling them at home. Mm-hmm. And then I'll at least feel like they get a foundation up through high school mm-hmm. of, like, a quality, honest, you know, historically accurate education. And then when they go to high school, um, they can get whatever you know, whatever their teacher in their American history class tells them in tiny Mississippi high school and know that that's not, mm-hmm. that may not necessarily be the truth. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. that's much harder to explain to, let's say, seven-year-old mm-hmm. who's getting American history in second grade mm-hmm. and who is indoctrinated to trust that teacher to tell them the truth. Mm-hmm. Like, And so it's just been easier for us to, you know, school them at home, Mm-hmm. give them the education give them the foundation that we want them to have give them the freedom mm-hmm. to be kids because that's a huge part of, of my schooling is giving my kids the freedom to just be kids they spend a lot of time outside mm-hmm. they spend a lot of time like in the woods in the garden they spend a lot of time cooking they spend a lot of time pursuing their own interests which is not something that people in general get a lot of when you start school at four mm-hmm. for eight hours you're doing whatever the person at the front of the room mm-hmm. tells you to do every day exactly um, and so I feel like my kids get the majority of their day to do whatever it is they're interested in to pursue their interests to spend time outside to understand like you know this is what I like and so this is what I'm going to learn about and does that mean that my 11 year old you know, doesn't know when the Declaration of Independence was written? Absolutely. She has no idea. <laughs> Can my 11-year-old identify every plant in my backyard? Absolutely. <laughs> like, without question. That sounds good like, to me. <laughs> does, does my 11-year-old know any of the words to the Pledge of Allegiance? Absolutely not. Not at all. <laughs> Can my 11-year-old, like, run down the list of Yoruba deities and they're because that's what she's interested in. Mm-hmm. And so, like, she gets to learn about things that she would never learn about in a classroom mm-hmm. here because she just would never. Mm-hmm. And she gets to do that just on her own because that's what she's interested in. Mm-hmm. Like, and so I really, I really appreciate that. I hope they appreciate it at some point, that, mm-hmm. <laughs> that aspect of their childhood before they get to ninth grade or whatever and have to go sit in a classroom where mm-hmm. somebody, you know, makes them memorize names and dates. Yeah, yeah. So in the midst of homeschooling and your art and trying to manage the business <laughs> side of being, you know, a mom and running your, you know, running your household, where do you find space for you, how do you mother yourself? Well, before we were all on lockdown mm-hmm. and stuck in our houses, like I really like 
to like this is channeling my inner 17 year old i'm sure i really like to get in my mom minivan that i drive <laughs> and <laughs> drive very fast through the country with my music blasting very loud with all of my windows down mm-hmm, <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and it is such a freeing thing, and fortunately, when you ride through the country, there's not a lot of traffic or a lot of police to make you slow down, and so I can go out and I can drive, you know, 80 miles an hour down a country road mm-hmm. and listen to Kendrick Lamar or Lauryn Hill or mm-hmm. whatever it is that I'm listening to really, really loud, um, and that actually is a very freeing and centering and when it gets to be too much in my house because there's a lot of people in my house Mm -hmm. I can get out by myself and take 20 minutes half hour and just like let the wind blow in my face and let the music fill up my soul and ride through trees and flowers and fields and lakes and you know I can can bring it down I can think my own thoughts I can get my brain together and then I can come back fresh mm-hmm. and renewed and all of those good things and so yeah I really like to do that it's harder to do now because as soon as one of my kids sees that I'm going to the car typically my 17 <laughs> year old is like where are you going can I come with you uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> we're all trapped in the house uh-huh. and so she is like she has a sixth sense for the sound of car keys uh-huh. like she's like, come from wherever she is she's got radar she is coming with you but before that you know that that was my thing to just take a really fast drive through the country with loud music and has that always like been your thing or was there was there a time when you had to like figure out how to give your permission give yourself permission to take that time for yourself or how I you... definitely had to figure out how to not feel guilty mm-hmm. about taking time for myself and I think um because I I had my kids young and like back to back I was I was just always pregnant or nursing mm-hmm. <laughs> for years for years I was just pregnant and nursing someone and so my body wasn't even mine like I couldn't I couldn't go anywhere without a person because somebody always needed me for nourishment or I was you know carrying another person in Mm -hmm. my uterus (laughs) Mm -hmm. it was just like a constant thing and I remember calling my mom one time and I was like I think I'm developing some psychological issues mm-hmm. from constantly being touched. Like, I feel, like, I can feel the hairs on my body stand up whenever somebody gets close to me. And she mm-hmm. was like, you might need a break. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think, I, think I'm, I was like, I can feel them coming. Like, I can feel the anxiety start to rise. Mm-hmm. But for, like, eight years, mm-hmm. I was pregnant or nursing because I nursed each one of my kids for two years and Mm -hmm. for three two of them I was pregnant I got pregnant while nursing Mm. the other child so it was just like I just didn't have my body to myself Mm -hmm. and so I probably didn't get to a point where I fully felt okay with just like leaving Mm -hmm. until my youngest was probably 
five. Mm. And so that means my oldest would have been 13. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, I mean, wow. my husband and mm-hmm. I took one trip by ourselves when my youngest was three and my mom kept all four of them and we went away for a week. And it was like the first time we had ever gone anywhere, just the two of us, because I had two kids when we got married, so we didn't mm-hmm. even get a honeymoon. Um, and mm-hmm. so, like, that was the first time that happened. And, like, by day three, I was like, I need to get back to my kids. <laughs> this is great. I'm having fun. But, like, I need to get back to the kids. Um, and so I think my youngest was probably eight, seven or eight, the first time I went anywhere by myself, like, not mm. even with my husband. And mm-hmm. so... You know, it took a long time for me to not feel guilty mm-hmm. about leaving them and being like, actually, my kids need me to not be insane. Mm-hmm. And so, like, <laughs> let me just take a ride so that they can hug me without me being like, ah, oh, please stop touching me. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm like, I'm sure they'll be much happier if I just am gone for 40 minutes and come back and we'll snuggle with them on the couch as opposed to, like, forcing myself to be here and being prickly because they're like just trying to snuggle or whatever mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what advice would you offer someone on mothering what is something that you think it's important to remember when mothering I think one of the main things that like feels really important to me is understanding that we as parents and we as human beings can do whatever we want like you can do what feels right for your family and that doesn't have to look like anybody what anybody else is doing like it doesn't have to match what your mom did or what your other mom friends are doing or what your grandmother thought like it doesn't have to match that you can raise your family however you feel comfortable raising your family and however your family is doing its best mm-hmm. um, I think a lot of times we get caught up in like well I'm not supposed to do this or I'm not supposed to do that or my kids are supposed to be doing this thing or they're supposed to but none of that really exists and you only get your one family like Mm -hmm. this is your family to raise how you want to raise it nurture how you want to nurture it to do what you feel is best for your family um and make that look like what works for you like we have the power to do whatever we want as human beings Mm -hmm. um and so like make your family look like what you want your family to look like not what you think your family is supposed to look like mm-hmm. and I think that's really important and sometimes that's messy and sometimes it's you know weird to other people And so, but if it works for you guys if it works for you as a person if it works for your children if it works for your spouse if it works for your unit then that's what you need to do like because mm-hmm. you don't get a do over mm-hmm. <laughs> like there are no do overs so yeah. I think that's super important Thank you for listening to this episode of Our Mother's Gardens. If you want to support the show, you can make a sustaining donation on Patreon by visiting our page, Our Mother's Gardens. Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a review. 
You can also find us on Instagram at Our Mother's Gardens PC. Our Mother's Gardens is a Honey Bunch of Stinkweed production. The podcast features music produced by Pata.